hello footy fans it's been a while since we had conversations with you guys and there have been so many interesting topics to cover during this international break and I, I think you'll find this episode very interesting and entertaining so without further ado welcome to the latest episode of Falconer Podcast Joshua, I know you've seen some weird stories recently, especially from Africa. So what do we have for today? Well, like you said, weird stories in the African World Cup qualifiers. Um, also, weather news concerning the Brazil FA and FIFA. And then we look forward to the weekend's fixtures now that we have um, European football back and also FPL. All right. So let's, let's not waste any further time. Let's get into it then. Well, before we start, I'd just like to say that I think it's my fault that we didn't record the Tuesday episode. I was a bit under the weather, so apologies for that. And so let's get into it. Um, so now, the European qualifiers, we saw some straightforward wins for the likes of Germany. Hansi Flick having an impact immediately. 12 goals in three matches. No goal considered for Germany. They are looking good. Yeah, so yeah. I, talk- like, I, I, saw, I saw the way they played. They were very good. Very entertaining. It looked like every time they attacked, they would score. So, I think Germany, they are back to their very best. Yeah, but poor Timo Werner can't seem to catch a break. I mean, he scored, but then he missed an absolute sitter. But people are just hammering Werner like he was the only one that missed the sitter. Kai Havertz also missed the sitter, but no one is saying anything about that. I guess that's just the... Way that people want to just see the man fail and just crucify him because I think Kai Havertz's miss was even worse, if you ask me. But then, away from the misses on the pitch for Germany, now let's talk about the miss in terms of tactics. Um, for England, Trent Alexander Arnold in the midfield, it didn't really work out, did it? I mean, he, was, he had to be put at, as a right back after half time. Well, I don't know what Southgate was trying to do there, but. I think we will not see something like that going further. Yeah, I think it's it's weird because there's this weird um, school of thought that since he's so good good on the ball, then he'll be better as a midfielder, which I think it's very strange and very wrong because he has time and space on the wing and he whips balls in. I mean, Trent is arguably the best crosser of the ball, maybe just behind Kevin De Bruyne in world football right now. And so for you to put him in the midfield, you're taking away his basic instinct, his basic strength, and you're telling him to do that from the midfield. So, instead of crossing now, he has to play two balls and all that stuff. So, I think it's, it's actually a lot better in the midfield. I was saw his James going in the midfield and looking a bit more comfortable than Trent was. So, who knows? Maybe his James is the one to fill that role in the future. We'll see. Netherlands, impeccable... Memphis Depay, I'm hearing people say that our current form is one of the top five players in the world. What do you think about that? Uh, it's one of all those things where people judge players by stats because when you look at the stats, on current form is better than most people, most people's favourites. But I'll just say, I'll just say, let's give it time. Let's not just go on recency bias and let's see what happens for him in, in the near future. I mean, don't be a party pooper, Leonard. I mean, they said on current form, they didn't say all time, but current form, I think they have a point because, I mean, hat trick for Netherlands, 
goals for Barcelona, important goals at that, and also goals in other games for Netherlands, even before the hat trick. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, I don't like, I, I hate when when a player starts getting to the stage where they're overrated player. I don't want to say he's being overrated right now, but I'll just say, I'll just say this, the way they are going on about the stats and the records he has, I think, I think they are taking it too far. I just think, looking at it, he's currently one of the best in Europe. So let's just allow him um ride this phase and let's see how consistent it can be going forward. Antoine Griezmann, Barcelona flop, starting for France, 2-0 win over Finland, pretty straightforward. Erling Haaland with a hat-trick. That makes it 12 goals in just 15 caps for the young sensation. Well, I just want to say, I don't know what Barca need to do. If it's to go, go and take more loans, I'm open for it. We need to sign that guy next summer. I mean, you, your club can't even... You guys can't even keep hold of some of your assets and you want to sign Haaland. I think that's a bit of a stretch. What do you think? We'll see. We'll see. Denmark 5-0 over Israel. Pretty comfortable victory. Um, but what do you think of Poland and England playing out a one or draw? Lewandowski, Tony Provider, right at the dead for the late equalizer. Two points. Good job for England, or should they be happy? Obviously, England are the better team. Um, they should be winning the game, but at the end of the day, I just think it was a game where we all know how Poland tried to play. They tried to center their play um, to Lewandowski because Lewandowski is their star man, and Lewandowski stepped up and he he was he was one of the one of Poland's best players on the pitch. And I think there was an altercation between um Kai Walker and Glick. So I think they've been they've ironed it out by the um various FA. So I think it was just a game where England will look back at, at it and say, ah, oh, we're supposed to win but uh, we'll be comfortable going going home with one point. Yeah, yeah. I think they should be relatively pleased with the point because, I mean, they are still going to qualify quite easily, if I'll be honest. But then, I think what my takeaway from this game is Lewandowski is an entirely different beast for Poland because, you know, in in Germany and in Bayern Munich, in Bundesliga, he's the main man who stays in the width of the box and has a lot of tappings and great, like, easy finishes because of the talent around him. But in Poland, it's different. You see him running the channels and you're like, wow, so Lewandowski can't do this. So I think he's actually better than a lot of people give him credit for. He's not just a goal scorer. He's an all-round player. Yeah, I agree. Now, to the... Should I say weird or sad news from the African World Cup qualifiers where we had Guinea's match with Mali being called off because of the coup, attempted coup, and I think might even turn out to be a successful coup to remove the president of Guinea. I mean, it's quite sad that we have this in the World Cup qualifiers. No way that the match could have gone on. Player safety has to be first. Yeah, for sure. Africa, we we don't we like taking part in embarrassment every time. I don't know who's we've shown we've shown to the world how how the continent can be at times. I just think we we, we can't we can't just do things like the Europeans, the way Europeans um, 
do their thing. So it's just shameful to see. And at the end, I, I was um, I'm glad that no one got hurt in the end in terms of like the players. Yeah, the players didn't get hurt, but I mean, only God knows what's actually happening in the country because the media isn't covering it as much as maybe they should. But we'll see. Hope everyone there is safe and sound. Um, now, another, the one I can really call weird news from Africa is we saw a fan, I mean, I, I can't even say this with a straight face. Like, a fan was blocking a camera with his head and then they couldn't watch the game. Like, just what game was this and just how can this even happen? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, so it was the World Cup qualifiers between Uganda and Mali. So this guy stood up and he was trying to um, get engaged with what is going on in the pitch. So he stood up from his chair. He blocked the entire viewers at home. So no one could watch the match. So they had to find an alternate angle. And the angle we now had to watch the match from was very off and weird. It's one of all those cameras that are very, very off and weird angles. So that's where we had to start watching the match from. So... It was just strange. I think it's ridiculous that they didn't just tell him to sit down. Like, did he have to stand up or was he told to sit down and then he refused? Like, we don't have this information. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, did he remember? I just said this already. Africa, we are so disorganized. We should be two or there who is communicating with his TV, um, the broadcasting um, services on, on, on ground there. And the someone needs to go and tell him, yo, you need to sit down or step away from the camera. Easy as, as that. We have to now make a news out of this. And this is now embarrassing to the entire continent and even to half themselves. Well, speaking of um, an embarrassing situation, I don't agree that this is worse than what happened with the Brazil and Argentina fixture. Now, I, I saw the news and I was laughing. Then I now thought that this is actually not funny. This is sad. Like, how can you have players traveling to the country and then, first of all, the players had wrong information field in the sense that the four English, four, not English players, four players from, they can't be English players if they are playing for Argentina. So, the four players that play in England that went, traveled to Brazil for the game, that's Emi Martinez, Buendia, both at Astivilla, Lo Celso, and um, help me here, Lo Celso and the last guy. Christian Romero. Yeah, Romero. I think I forgot him because he hasn't actually played for third time yet. So yeah, the four of them didn't feel that they were coming from England. So that's a crime, according to the Brazilian government. So that's a crime in itself. But there's no way that they wouldn't have known that these are professional footballers who played in England. And then there was a meeting on in the hotel Saturday. The authorities saw the players, told them that they should they shouldn't play the game, but yet the Argentina FA insisted and took them to the field. Just a whole circus. Well the thing is I was trying to get an answer. So what I read was like um when People are traveling from the UK, South Africa, and India into Brazil due to the COVID variants they are trying to avoid. So you have to quarantine for 14 days. And obviously, Buendia, Christian Romero, Lo Celso, and Yemi Martinez, they are traveling from the UK. So they had to now quarantine for 14 days, which they didn't. 
and they now had the two parts in the Brazil game. So then the health, the Brazil health authorities coming into the pitch with security to drag them off. It's I think it's embarrassing because I think before then um, um, the Brazil football federation already has given the green lights that the match should still take um, should still go on ahead. So I don't even understand what is happening there. I think it's it's things that there are things behind the scene that are here to come out to the light. Yeah, I think it's just a power play from the health authorities saying that yo, we can destroy or scatter your watch anytime we feel like. Because I feel like they could have done this before the game. They could have done this on Saturday when they saw the players at the hotel. They didn't say anything about it. Apparently, there was an agreement on Saturday in the hotel, and then. On Sunday afternoon, they didn't say anything. So on Sunday afternoon, three hours before the game, they said that the players will not, should not be allowed to play. They put out a statement that the players should are actually meant to be deported. But then the Argentine FA, I don't know, maybe they didn't take note or they didn't take them seriously. And then, so when the game started, they called off the game. Now, they are saying that they couldn't get hold of the players before the in the stadium, which is crap, because they saw them at the hotel the previous day. So, for me, it's very embarrassing. But then, potential solutions, because, I mean, fixture congestion, there's no way in hell that this game can be played again, because international break, the next international break, the fixtures already lined up. So, what do you think the, the solution can be? Do you think we can have the two teams forfeiting the game in terms of zero points for both Brazil and Argentina, because I think the blame should be shared among both FAs. I don't know if you agree with me on that. Or should they have like a version of the match where it's only homegrown players? That's players that Brazilian players that play in Brazil and or South America generally Argentine players that play there. Do you think that would be better than just giving both teams zero points? Or what do you think? Well, when you look at it, at the end of the day, you can't give both teams both points because when you look at um, the South American qualifiers, it's very, very hard. There are so many good teams. It's not like the European. Is it, is it that sorry? Is it that hard when Brazil are perfect so far and Argentina are five points behind them, but are still quite, you can say, quite comfortably going to be second? So I don't think it's that hard. I think you can still give you can give both teams zero points that they still qualify. You you can say that, but what will not happen to the the chasing pack, the guys? Chasing Argentina and think they can get points and stop Argentina. You don't because Argentina they've been in a situation where they even had to qualify for the World Cup at the very last fixture. I don't know if you remember that year. So, oh, yeah, so, yeah. so, so like other teams will not agree to that. So they they have to look for a way to see make sure that that match is played and whoever. No, but I think, I, I, I think other teams. I think other teams are actually going to gain from. Argentina getting no points and Brazil getting no points. I think they will gain from that. They will gain from that, but what Brazil and Argentina they won't still agree. So I think the general, the general thing that will happen or the thing that makes more sense is they will have to make sure that that match is played at a certain given time. So they will look for a way to make sure that that fixture end up um, end up being played in the, at the end of the day. I'd love to see what they do because, I mean, apart from the homegrown thing, I don't see any other way that you have the guys playing their trade in Europe actually being present for the game. Because like we saw, the English clubs refused 
sent the Brazilian players and now the Brazilian FA have chosen to be petty or I think maybe they are within their rights to file to UEFA a complaint and then according to a section of the law, FIFA can ban the players from playing for five days after the international break. So those five days start from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So even the Champions League fixtures next week, Tuesday, will be affected. And obviously the Premier League fixtures. Now, do you think they're actually going to go through with this or do you think they're just bluffing? I think it's something that will happen at the end of the day because when you actually look at it, the club will tell you they have a right to hold their players because they're the one paying their salaries, blah, blah, blah. But still, these players have obligations to their own nation. So you can't just hold them due to the fact that you are afraid that they might have get COVID and have to quarantine or one, one thing or the other. Because now you're taking away um, their chances for qualifying. Let's imagine that, okay, the Brazilian players that didn't go for the international break, maybe Brazil were not affected so bad that they lost their fixtures, their, tie, their chances of qualifying now hangs in the balance. So what will not happen if they, if they don't qualify? Do you think, um, let's say, the um, fans that are in Brazil that support clubs like Liverpool, there will be black backlash to all this. So it takes away from the um, competitiveness of the competition and the integrity too of the competition. So it's something that, at the end of the day, I think if FIFA, if FIFA does it, do go ahead with the with the um, ban. Uh, I won't, I won't be, I won't be forced about it. And if they don't still go ahead too, I will still be forced about it. Which, which I am um, either decisions like I don't mind. Oh, you're on the fence, yeah. Quite convenient for you, isn't it? Well, I, I really don't. I think I'm actually not on the fence. I think I support Brazil FA. Because, yeah, I can be petty like that too. Because you cannot tell me that you cannot release your players at all. We saw the Egyptian FA and Liverpool coming to a compromise where, whereby Mosala was released for the international break. He played the first fixture, which was the first, like, Friday last week. And then he went back to Liverpool immediately. He didn't stay for the remaining fixtures of Egypt's international break. And I don't see why they couldn't... English clubs couldn't do that with Brazil. Yo, we'll give you the players for the first game. Give them back to us early so that we can we can actually sort out everything and make sure that they are ready for us to play. But no, they refuse to release them at all. So I think... And then we know the teams that will suffer the most. Alisson, first choice keeper for Liverpool. Also Firmino, but maybe Firmino was even going to miss the game through injury anyway. Then Ederson, first choice keeper for City. Gabriel Jesus in fantastic form. So I think those will be the big losers. Ironically, we have my United fans happy that Fred is going to miss the fixture. <laughs> oh man, that is very sad. Only, 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 only will have him to, um, will have him for selection. So <laughs> I think that's good news for Manchester United fans. Yeah, but for some reason, only seems to trust him or like him. Well, but we definitely know how the United fans feel about him. Uh, for Chelsea, Thiago Silva missing out, I don't think it's that much of a big deal. Maybe it's a, it's a deal because we have his James suspended for one game for his red card against Liverpool. Of course, we know Chelsea were even fined. Just briefly on that, Chelsea were fined for failing to control their players. Do you think it was fair on the effort to find Chelsea players for that? Yes, yes, exactly. These are the things that needs to be um they need to stamp it out of the game i mean because when you look at it um 
the Chelsea players, they were all in the face of Anthony Taylor. And that's not professional. It's, it's, not, it's not something that they, they, they should be doing. They should make, um, handle themselves better in certain situations. Because at the end of the day, we all want everyone to be safe, even the referee to feel safe on the pitch. So going forward, that, that kind of thing should be, shouldn't be happening. No matter um, if you feel it's, um, um, the referee's um, decision is against you. Now, okay. Now, let me just play devil's advocate here. Do you think players should be emotionless zombies? Because I have a problem with this whole thing. It's not even for me. It goes beyond this one. I think yes, they should be fined now. But for me, I find it very frustrating. Whereby even post-match interviews, the coaches or players are not allowed to say that yo, this decision went against us. This referee was not good in this game. Like, you're not allowed to complain. You're just meant to be a mindless zombie. I don't think football should be run like that. No, the, it's, not, it's not football being run like that. It's England. Other, uh, other, other clubs and other um, leagues, they talk about it. When, when you watch the Serie I see their coach being vocal about what they, what's happened on the pitch, even in La Liga, other leagues, they are vocal. It's just the English um, um, FA and the way they try and run things. By the end of the day, I think the right decision is you should not be in the face of referee because we want referees to feel safe. Then, yes, by the end totally. of the day, um, managers being vocal about what they want. We saw it when Mourinho was in England. He was being... Because Mourinho, you cannot hold him. Mourinho is such a character where Mourinho will say, well, I want to say something, but if I say it, I'll be fine. And then you yes. didn't know what is right. And what is even funny is he will still end up saying what he wants to say. He will I say mean, like, and he, yeah, exactly. And he will end up being fine. Yeah, yeah. He will end up being fine. I think there was a time when Mario was fined almost every week or every month. Then he, he sometimes he would be sent off from this to go and watch the game from the stand. So it's just it's just funny at the end of the day that they just try to police everything in England. And I just think that's not the right way to do, go about it. It takes away from the competition and the feistiness that we all love in football. Yeah, yeah I, I agree, I agree. Um, now, point is, some fans of rival clubs as United fans, Liverpool, Arsenal fans, are saying that the £25,000 is too small for Chelsea, but I think they fail to realise that this is a set fine. They didn't just wake up one day and say, OK, we want to find Chelsea £25,000. No, £25,000 is the fine set for failing to control your players. So it's a set fine. It's not like they could have increased it just because it was against just because it was Chelsea at fault, right? Uh, this, it's, if if it was a set fine, so there's no need of trying to increase anything. Football is not the fine is not about making profit. It's just about um um correcting that error or yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um. Now speaking of instilling discipline, I found this very hilarious. Tottenham was probably not to find the Argentine players that traveled, Lo Celso and the new boy already getting in trouble, Christian Romero, saying that they traveled for Argentina's games without their permission. Well, I don't even understand what is going on there. It's just embarrassing. Tottenham are trying to be a big club so badly. So, yeah, I don't know what they are trying to do. Trying to, <laughs> trying to um, find their players from for going to play for their own country. Not like they went to they went to play they went to party or they went to smoke or something. They went to play for their own country. So it, 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 I don't even understand what they even mean by they didn't even tell them. 
So did they just sneak out, sneak out of their so out so of yeah the so, <laughs> so yeah so yeah apparently um apparently the players traveled without letting the club know, which is why they want to find them. But what I find very interesting is Loselso is not a starter for God's sake. Christian Romero has not been starting. We expected him to be a starter when he signed from Atalanta, but so far he hasn't been starting. So these guys aren't even starters. So why are they so forced about it? Well, I just looking at it, just the point you just tried to make. If they find then it, it makes no difference. Loselso doesn't even play like that, so they will still be on the bench either way, fine or no fine. Try to instill discipline in the club, but I think this is the wrong um, way to set an example in, in the sense that, like you said, they weren't going around being irresponsible. They weren't partying or drinking, having nights out before the a, a, a night before the game. It was it was part of their profession, really, to play for their country. So I think it's going to be unfair if they find them. Now, for the fixtures for this weekend... Well, I mean, first of all, I'm excited that football is back. And who knows? Wow. Um, Spurs are actually the first game we have in the Premier League this weekend. Spurs against Crystal Palace. Hummingson got injured during the international break. We're not sure yet if he's going to be fit in time for this game. But, I mean, with the big fixtures that they have after this one, they have the fixture against Chelsea next week. They did not learn under B. You don't think they'll risk Son, do you? I just think they can do without him. It's not there's no there's no need to force it if they don't if they if they don't have to there's no need to force it. So I think I think they can they can do without him. They have other players and there are new signings that need to even come into the team and feel at home. So honestly, I just I just think there's no need to force it. They can do without him. I think they can win comfortably and save him for the next fixture. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, it's Crystal Palace. It's not like you're playing with top sides. You should be able to beat Palace without Son. So yeah, now exactly. we have a relegation six-pointer. Arsenal <laughs> versus Norwich City. <laughs> we would have thought. We would have thought. But um, okay, seriously speaking, now Arsenal have to win this game, right? Like it's not even supposed to be stressful for them. Well, the thing is, the thing is, there's no, there's no argument there. That's a straight win for us now. If they can't win this game, then I don't know the fixture that they can win in England. I don't even know. Because Norwich City, they are very bad at defending. So, they need to win that game. And I think this would be the, the start of a new run for Ateta. I think Ateta will win some games now. And this one will be the start of the, the run for us now. But you um you said they have to win this game. If you're on Norwich City, are you not looking at Arsenal and saying, "Whoa, this is a game that we can win because Arsenal is in such a bad place right now? Yeah, exactly. Norwich City, they'll be quite confident they can get the three points against Arsenal because Arsenal, they are very, very terrible too. So, but looking at it, I just think Arsenal with the experience, the quality, they should be able to come through with the three points. Now, if you're the Arsenal board and... Arsenal lose this game. Ateta out or you still keep fit? Uh, yeah, I just think it will not get to that. Arsenal will win. But if if worst no, case no, no, scenario. No, no. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not asking what you think will happen. Because we know that they will keep faith with him. I'm saying if you were the one in charge, would you sack him? We know um, Arsenal like clubs um clubs they don't sack managers. Um, when 
they we've had this huge backing in the transfer window. Like you can sack them when you've given them like a ten game run, and even with the backing you've given them, you are not seeing any improvement. Then you can sack them, but this is just three game three games in. Yeah, so. uh, yeah. You did. You know, you didn't answer my question. I'm trying to be political about it. I didn't ask okay. you, do you think they will sack Ateta? We know they will not sack him. Okay. Because, because of the good reasons you gave where you know they backed him, so you know they believe in him. I'm saying, if you were the one in charge, would you sack him after a defeat to Norwich City? You. If I was the one in charge, I could have sacked him a long time ago. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So he wouldn't even be on the job right now. So. Okay, now I know how you feel about Ateta, if I didn't know before. Um, the, one of the biggest pictures this weekend, Leicester against Man City. Leicester City, I think, we both agree that they are the most likely to break it to the top four. Or is it Spurs or West Ham? Um, it's Leicester. It's Leicester, of course. Looking at the way they've invested, the quality they have. And right now, um, Leicester, they are, they, are, they are finding different pattern of playing. They are not more just a counter-attacking team. They, are, they play possession-based football. That's why I think Jimmy Vardy has been struggling in recent um, seasons because now they are, they are moving away from that counter-attacking football and playing more possession-based kind of football. So, and they play exciting football as well. So they look very good. And I think if anyone can crack it up for it, it's them. And I think looking at this fixture, with the way Leicester set up at times against Man City, it's, it will be very difficult for Man City to get joy. I know Leicester will try to defend and play their counter-attacking football against them. I think this is the, a fixture where Jimmy Vardy always has joy because there's, there are spaces to run in behind. And I think he'll be licking his lips and saying to himself that I can get a couple of goals here. So who wins this fixture? Um, I think Man City will end up winning. I think um, Leicester, they've not been able to um, have their defence set to... Looking at Sol- Solonchi himself, Solonchi wasn't even good in international break. He had a red card. So, against the Netherlands. So, I just think if they are able to sort their defence for the game, it would be a very difficult fixture for them. But I think, no, at the end of the game, Man City can win. Yeah, just touching on Serenity, I think Serenity had like seven, six months where he was sensational. I think since then, he's been bad average. And that's, those six months were like two years ago. Since then, I have not been too impressed with him. So, I think he's a player living on a hype of two years ago. I don't think he's that good anymore, to be honest. He's so, so lax in defense, can give the boy away very unexpectedly. Rash tackles, rash challenges, everything. I, I don't know if you agree with me, Sha, but I think Sancho for the last year and a half has not been too impressive. It's too early to just judge anyone. I just think if we, if we see what he does in the next 10 games, then, then we can start criticizing him. I just think it's still early. This is, this season is just starting, so we'll see. At the end of the day, but if Fafana was fit, definitely Fafana will be the one starting. But since Fafana is out, I think Solanchi needs to step up his game. Up. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, well, maybe yeah. The season is young, but I, I still maintain that even last season I wasn't too impressed with Solanchi. Now you you mentioned that Leicester are the most likely to make the top four outside the obvious bets. But I don't think Tottenham fans or Tottenham would be supporting you too much because, I mean, they have the manager of the month, Nuno. Um, what do you think about the award? 
Um, yeah, well deserved. Like these days, I've said that the they give managers the award based on the manager that um, accumulated most points in that month. So looking at it, no, no, has had nine points, kept three clean sheets. So at the end of the day, if you are going by that statistic, you see that it was deserved in the end. So. But I just think Tottenham, Tottenham, the, the season is still young. There's a long way to go. So we'll see what happens because right now they are, they are grinding out wins and some of the wins they've been trying to grind out, I just think there's some results there that they should be winning the teams quite comfortably. 3-0, 4-1, um, results like that. But now they are grinding out one new wins. So I'm not quite impressed fully with what Nuno has done, but we'll see though. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with you. It says that I haven't been impressed fully. I've not even been impressed, really. I'm just impressed with their defense. Their attacking has just been, I don't know, iffy at best. You you made a good point of saying um the award is now a case of which coach has his team gathered the most points. Now I I don't think that's really fair. Now let me give a hypothetical scenario of say you're a coach of whatever team, and then your fixtures for the month, you have City, that's Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Aston Villa. And out of those four games, we know three of those are very top teams, and then Villa is the same team. So out of those three games, let's say you get three wins and a draw. And then someone has Norwich, Newcastle, Southampton, and what other team is average? Crystal Palace. And then their manager has four wins. Now, are you telling me that that one is better than the previous one who got three wins and one draw from the tougher fixtures? Most times these days, they don't base it on tougher fixtures. They just base it on who had the most points um, in, in the entire um, fixtures in that month. That's how they base it on. Like, if you check the previous record, you see it. The only time um, they favor tougher fixtures is when, um, let's say, there are two managers on a tie in terms of points and like clean sheet and all that uh, metrics they used to judge it. They will now rate it on who are the tougher fixtures. So if the manager with the tougher fixtures end up with the same points as, let's say, another manager too that had similar points and good run of form, they will give it to the manager that had tougher fixtures. That's how it is. Yeah, that's how it is, but <laughs> I don't think that's how it should be. Yeah, I agree with but, you. But yeah, totally. I, I, it is what it is, I guess. I think it is, the, it is what it is because we have a situation where me, I've lost hope in... I've told you this before and I've even mentioned it on the previous episode of the podcast where I don't care about individual awards anymore. Jorginho winning European Player of the Year. How? Because he won Champions League and he won the European Championship. Was he the best player in Europe? The answer is no. But he won it because his club and his country won trophies. The same thing with Luka Modric. Luka Modric won the Ballon d'Or. Was he the best player in the world? No. They just. I think they should just name it the award for... Wait, how will I even put this? They just name it the award for the player that was in the team that won everything. Like, it's just ridiculous. You know, at the end of the day, some, some of the awards, they've lost their value. So that's just how it is. Oh, okay. So you agree with me. Okay, so now, speaking of awards, the man that has bagged a lot of awards in his career, Cristiano Ronaldo, returning to Old Trafford, literally, because this is a home fixture against Newcastle. He's expected to start, no doubt, because he said he's fit and ready to start. Now, if you're only, you can't leave out Ronaldo when he says he's fit and ready to start, Gary. 
<laughs> well, I was looking at a picture where um, it looks like Oli was giving Ronaldo a lesson. <laughs> well, I it's mean, interesting. Could he have been telling you now? Uh, I, don't, I don't even know, but it'd be interesting to see this, how this, that this works. Is our, this is our pattern of play. Like, what, sorry, what pattern is that? Um, I, I don't even know what to tell you on that, but at the end of the day, like like you said, if Ronaldo is fit, Ronaldo starts. I don't even I don't know how they would do it, but if he's fit, Ronaldo definitely will start. I, I just think this might be one of all those things where he, he might. He, I don't think the, the, anyone gets my suffer from it. I think you can play Greenwood. Um, you can play like a four, a four two three one. Get Ronaldo up top, um, Greenwood and maybe Sancho. On the you now you now play Bruno in behind them. Then Pogba and maybe um, Matic, Matic yeah. midfielder. So I think I think it's not it's not a tough decision in the end. I mean, we've we've had this conversation off air previous times, but just for the record on air. I feel like Bruno should retain penalty decisions. You're on the other side of the fence that Ronaldo will be giving penalties. Now, are you still sticking with that? Or are you seeing reason behind my thinking? If you can say that because of you, um, Bruno's conversion rates that you should be still, you should still yeah, stick exactly to the Exactly, it's the same. But one thing you should know is Ronaldo, because he has taken more, that's why his conversion rate is lesser. But the thing is, there is no way in hell Ronaldo returns to <laughs> Manchester United. Bruno, I mean, like, he, I don't think, maybe he forgot him. During the international break, Bruno won a penalty. So Ronaldo just went there, picked up the ball. Then Bruno was not like using his eye to look at Ronaldo, like, bros, how far now? <laughs> so, like, Ronaldo didn't even like, wait, way, wait, like, wait, he, for, wait for your toe, my boy. Yes, exactly. So Ronaldo didn't even look his way. Ronaldo just went there. Put the ball, stepped up, did his normal. Yeah, yeah, did his normal run and he missed. Like, like he missed. So, if, but, even but free I kicks, feel like even you know what's even funny. Even free kicks, unless the free kick is way to the right hand side, that is when Ronaldo will leave that free kick. But if the free kick is towards the left hand side, Ronaldo or will central. take every everything exactly. So there's nothing for the kids. They should just but, relax. Uh, <laughs> Well, I feel I feel the fair thing to do will be to allow Bruno take until he misses one. But even that doesn't even sound fair because then you're putting him under pressure and then he surely miss a few points and then Ronaldo takes over. So I think eventually maybe Bruno might be doomed to losing his penalties to Ronaldo. But we'll see. We'll okay, see. Okay, let me let me let me ask you this. Uh semi finals, Champions League, PSG, Manchester United. Um um, dying minutes, 98 minutes. Manchester United have a penalty. He's taking it. Oh, wow. The occasion you just I, why, why do you have to do this to me? Why do you have to put such a massive occasion? Your instincts are going to be bigger than this. Is fine now. Um, oh, you followed me. I have to say Ronaldo. Yeah, I have to say Ronaldo. Exactly. There's no two ways about it. Ronaldo is the one he likes those occasions, he likes it, even if he misses. like it doesn't affect him. His mentality is still up now. There. Imagine, imagine, imagine Bruno taking the penalty in such a situation and missing, and the United crashing out. Ronaldo would he would kill both Ole and Bruno in the dressing room. <laughs> uh, I think that's where he, that's where he would do that. Is normal thing. He might remove United shirt, throw it on the floor, and do that. It's over. It's over. Remember when he threw the armband? Oh my God! Don't, don't remind me. Classic. Classic. 
that's something I can never forget for as long as I live. It was just crazy. Now we have the but but back to the picture just to summarize. Easy win for United, right? Well, yeah, for, for Manchester United. In Manchester United, they will get the three points definitely because they are, they look on form. I think um um looking at looking at um the form Ronaldo showed in international break, scoring brace, and even Bruno with um, Portugal. Um, Pogba was decent for France, so coming in, those some of the players they 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 will have to rest them because of the because of the um matches they played in international fixture. But I think some of them are fresh and ready to fire fine all cylinders. Um, now I'm just wondering, Ronaldo, would you want to come off just so the plans the fans can applaud you, or do you want to play 90 minutes if you're Ronaldo? Um, I think they will give him that moment so that he can he can enjoy it. So I think. It's something they will plan and they will talk on um, before the match starts. But then it depends on how the game is going. Because if United need goals, uh, maybe they are losing or they are drawing. There's no way without it going off that field. Now, the player of the month, Mikel Antonio, West Ham away to Southampton. We expect West Ham to continue their form. Yeah, definitely. West Ham, West Ham they, they look quite good. The settings they made, they've increased their score depth. So... I just think um, they, they should get the victory. I think Southampton, they're not in a good place right now. Selling their best players. The signings they've made, they have, they've not yet synced. So I think on current form, West Ham should be getting the victory. Yeah, definitely. Um, Chelsea at home to Aston Villa, who will be without their first choice keeper, Emi Martinez, and their chief creator, Emi Buendia. Chelsea have no business dropping points today. One thing I worry about people facing Chelsea is how are you going to create chances? Because Chelsea suffocates everything you try to do. And looking at it, ha, Lukaku was very, very good in international break. I think this is the fixture. Fixture will be licking his lips and saying, yeah, I can get my numbers up here. Yeah, well, funny enough, you mentioned that because he has scored in his last five appearances against Aston Villa when he was at United and Everton. And yeah, so he always seems to be able to score against Villa, so we'll see if that continues this weekend. Leeds and Liverpool, we expect goals in this game, but without Alisson, I mean, Liverpool, is this still a straight win for them? I think even with Alisson, it was going to be a fixture where there'll be a lot of attacking plays, but I think Liverpool, they'll, they'll just find a way because Leeds, they leave themselves too open, so I think... Um, Liverpool, they will end up winning the game. And Virgil van Dijk has already told Klopp that he's 200% fit for the game. So, if van, Dijk plays, if van Dijk plays, they should be able to cover up for any defensive priorities that they will have. So, and we all know what Liverpool possess in terms of attack. So, I think they'll be good at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, they'll be good at the end of the day. Now, over to the Spanish La Liga, we have Real Madrid at home to Celta Pico. What are we, what, what are we expecting here? Uh, that's easy for Real Madrid. I think it's a game where Kamavinga might, might come on, but I don't know. We'll see. I don't know what they have plans for um, for him, though. But I think it's a game where they, they should be getting a victory. Looking at Karim Benzema, Karim Benzema was good in international break. And I think Setafico might be a tough nut to crack sometimes, but I think... Real Madrid, with the attacking plays these days, I think they should be able to come up with, with something and get the three points. And then we have Espanyol hosting the champions at Let's Go Madrid. I mean, this is as straightforward a win as it gets, yeah? 
Yeah, Atleti, I think looking at Griezmann, finally he has seen a Baba in Madrid since there are no Baba in Barcelona. So uh, <laughs> he has he has been able to cut his hair. It looks quite sharp. And he was very good in international break as well. So I think these are pictures where Atletico should be getting three points if they are serious about retaining their title. Oh, Barcelona are not playing this weekend, weirdly. Yeah. Any reasons as to that? Yeah, Barcelona, Bas- Barcelona were supposed to play Sevilla and Villarreal too were supposed to face Flavers. Um, so the fixtures they've been postponed due to the fact that um, extended their international duty for the international players. So those players, they'll be returning late. Some of these players now, they are currently in the plane. That's Friday. They'll be returning late Friday and they have a game to play on Saturday. So it's not I'm ideal. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh- do these teams only have players from South South America? This is quite funny to hear. Don't no, they have Spanish players? Don't they have players from other continents that can play? Yeah, yeah. The reason why the reason why they they did it is um, in, in La Liga they, they tried to make um, this this is the same thing I keep saying. You they try to make sure that your team is complete so that it doesn't take away the um, or jeopardizes the integrity of the competition so now you cannot say uh you cannot have this excuse and say oh some of our key players didn't play this fixture that's why we are fielding out a mediocre team so that's that's why they postponed the fixture and it was initially it was turned out by um the spanish federation where la liga proposed for the fixtures to be postponed but they now went to court and la liga won so those fixtures that will now be seen to they'll be played at a later date so me, I'm, I'm quite up for it. Right now, there's no excuse for Kuma. Of course, you'll be up for it. Of course, you'll yeah, be up for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm just saying, well, I'm up Barcelona for it now. Fan, there's, there's I mean, no, there's no excuse a load of nonsense. No, no, no. Like, understand me. Like, there's no excuse now for Kuman to not try and get something against Bayern. Oh, and, 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 and another manager he loves. <laughs> nah, God forbid. Kuman is a fraud. <laughs> I mean, speaking of Kuman, Kuman said um, that... Sorry, let me... I'm, I mean, the, the, the quote is so ridiculous that I need to try to... Okay, yeah, he said, look, the young is more dangerous than Neymar. In what aspect? In the air, right? Yeah. So, uh, how do you, yeah, as a manager or a coach, how do you even come out to make such a stupid statement? Look, the young is more that, dangerous than Neymar. That, that's, he's just trying to justify the look, the young transfer. It doesn't make any sense. Okay, now, it's just like um, um, someone saying, uh, Messi... Maybe Messi now has a racket. He's playing um, tennis in the backyard of his house. Then maybe me as a Messi fan will now come out and say Messi is more dangerous with a racket in his backyard than Rafael Nadal. Doesn't make a <laughs> Like, it's a very stupid statement to even make. So, that's that. that I, mean, I mean, speaking of, I don't know, like, Coman and Juan Laporta, who made the most stupid statement this past week because Laporta made a very funny statement. He said that Barcelona tried to sign Neymar. In <laughs> and funny enough, Neymar is the only one they're talking about in every comment, every stupid comment. He said they tried to sign Neymar in March. I mean, how can you try to sign Neymar when you know the financial difficulties? You couldn't even resign or keep hold of Messi. And then you're... Is it that he's bad at math that he doesn't know the financial difficulties that the club were in at the time or is it that he's not just sensible 
to know that this is not something that anybody will believe, like a lie anybody will believe. Or well, he just wants to sound like he cares about the club and wants to move the club forward. Like, what's the logic behind the statement? No, it wasn't it wasn't a lie. Like the journalists asked him a question because there there were there were reports that um Laporta sent some um some Barcelona representative to Paris to negotiate a deal for Neymar. So when they went, they were, they were trying to negotiate the deal for Neymar. The discussion were ongoing. The next thing, well, sorry, sorry, they... the discussions require money, don't they? Barcelona don't have money at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Let me land. Let me land. So, so the thing, the thing was when they got there, um, Neymar. They were trying to discuss with Neymar, and then I saw that okay, um, Neymar is opening, um, open to coming back. Then some days later, PSG gave Neymar's father twenty more million, and that was the end of the conversation <laughs> between between Barca and. <laughs> Exactly. And you know what is even funny? There were even reports this week coming out that PSG pay Neymar close to 500 k um to, to week like for... yeah, smiling to the fans, um, keeping up good appearances. Not there's, 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 there's a word that they use for it. Is it etiquette or so? something quite funny? Something well, allowance. I mean, this guy just threw money at anything. Like I've never heard such in my life. Yeah, the, I've never seen a contract signed. I've never seen a weird contract like that. But I would, I would say this, yeah. Even, even speaking about weird contracts, even, uh, well, uh, it's a bit off topic. I remember Ronaldinho when he left back to play for Brazil. There was this contract in his, um, the the, the club. You, I think, was it Flamingo? Yeah. The club he was now playing for, I've forgotten the club exactly, but the, there was a clause in his contract that he could party twice a week in his contract. So there are so many things that. Twice we a week before, yeah. sorry, day, day before, day before the match, or no, nah, he just in his contract that he has the liberty to party for um, for um, at least twice a week. So, so even so, if it's the day before the match, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, it's in his contract. In his contract, so it's just a strange. Oh my thing. god. Yeah, back to the Laporta thing, yeah. Um, Laporta now, so when the old, um, the representative saw that the Neymar thing could happen, then Bas- and that's the thing, Laporta himself didn't know how bad Barcelona's financial situation was until they now brought in the audit to, audit to check the financial situation. He saw that it was very, very bad and terrible. So he now knew that there was no way we could even afford to even bring in Neymar to the club. And what is even funny now, there are reports now, John Laporta and Barca is finalizing the details of, to bring Joseph Maria Bartomeu and his board of directors to the to the district actoni. The socials now, we have to vote for, for this to um, happen. So um, Laporta is bringing the heat to Bartomeu. So we'll see what happens at the end of the day. I mean, Laporta seems to me like he's trying so hard to be seen as the good guy because I'm sure he's feeling a bit of guilt for being the one who lost Lionel Messi. Now, we can talk about how Bartomeu kept the club in financial difficulties, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, the president that was in charge when Messi left the club was Laporta. And so he's yeah. trying to garner, garner sympathy and say, yo, yo, I'm not the bad guy. Remember who the bad guy is here. Yeah. I think for me, it's as straightforward as that. No, you could you say that, but at the end of the day, who he is written in history that he's one that lost Messi, so there's no running away from that. Um, now the Serie A has some interesting fixtures happening this weekend, not least Napoli 
be Juventus. Juventus yet to win this season. What are we expecting? I mean, can they finally get off the mark in terms of wins? Yeah, Juventus, they should be winning. This is whether they face Napoli, they face Sampdoria, it doesn't matter. They should be winning this fixture. If they really? can't win, like, Yes, Napoli is a top club, but we know for right from but time. Top, top in Italy, not top, top. Just yeah, to be, yeah, yeah. Just I, to I be clear. Exactly, I know exactly yeah. what you mean, but at the end of the day, Juventus is a bigger club than them, so they should be getting that victory. I don't care what they face. Like, they, they need to stop embarrassing themselves. The Champions League is coming now. So they they tell me that in that in that their group now they they won't get some kind of victories. They need to start getting victories under their belts and start focusing on life after Ronaldo. So they've been saying Ronaldo is Ronaldo's fault. Is Ronaldo's fault? So now prove it that it's not is Ronaldo's fault by winning the the game that is in front of you. Uh, that is Ronaldo's fault. Crap, I'm not buying it because Ronaldo did a lot for the club. Though I don't think he did as well as he should have done, but you cannot tell me it's Ronaldo's fault. Um, another all action fixture that I'm looking forward to this weekend is AC Milan at home to Lazio. Two title challengers. That match will be, will be cracking to watch, but I think AC Milan might just edge it because AC Milan they are playing quite well and they are on form too. Yeah, well, I, I really don't know which way the game is going to go. It's too hard for me to call, but maybe home advantage for AC Milan swings in their favor. We'll see. Atalanta v Fiorentina. Atalanta, the entertainers of the Serie A for the past few years. We expect them to win this one. Yeah, for sure, 100%. So, now, finally, the Bundesliga. Uh, the Bayern Mun- the Bayern Liga because I'm I'm really tired as most neutrals are. Um, just superficially now, oh, there's no way Bayern don't win the league this season, right? Bayern definitely, yeah, yeah, they they already they won the league. They should just give it to them. Any of every other team is from out here. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think where it. What what really turns the life of people now? The reason I ask that question is because they are playing against Leipzig this weekend, and what really irritated a lot of non-Bayern fans is the fact that Leipzig were second in the league last season, and then Bayern were able to go to them and pick their coach, their club, their coach Julian Nagelsmann, their club captain Marcel Sabitzer, and arguably one of their best players. And their best defender, Dario Upamecano. Where on earth does that happen apart from Germany? Uh, it's just that's why that's why the league the league is just just weird. That's why I don't even blame people for calling it a farmers league because what's um Bayern? I, I I believe there's nothing like farmers league, but at the same time, I don't blame people when they call it farmers league because what Bayern is doing is allowing these other guys plant grow then buy and go in there and cultivate <laughs> and harvest so that's what they're just doing every season every season they make sure they, they take your best produce add it to their own and make themselves better so um trying to suffocate the competition down the um, entire division throughout the league so i just think at the end of the day buy and they know what they are doing so 
That's why no one can touch them when it comes to the Bundesliga. But uh, yeah, yeah, just to play devil's advocate a bit, it's not Bayern's fault that players want to join them because we know Germans, German players, their dream most of the time, more often than not, is to play for Bayern Munich one day because, I mean, you go up in Germany, you see Bayern as, as the biggest club in Germany. So naturally, you want to play for that club. I mean, it's not, it's not Bayern's um, um, right or Bayern's duty to now reject the player simply because we don't want to... We can our position. We want to make the league fair. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, they have to do what they have to do. The players want to join them, so they take the players. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's something that is out of their hands, truly. What do you think wins this fixture? Bayern Munich Leipzig? Bayern, obviously. There's there's no... There's a clear... Bayern are favourite to win all the fixtures in the league. Like, <laughs> whichever game they, they fail to win, like, it's a huge upset. <laughs> Wow, I've seen just how high you rate the Bundesliga. Um, now, like I was, I wanted to say before, they are probably their biggest victims of losing players over the past decade or so. Borussia Dortmund away at Bayer Leverkusen. Now, this looks like an intriguing fixture. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a cracking fixture. But looking at the former landers in, <laughs> I just think um, um, <laughs> for the opposition, they 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 will not want to face. A monster like Haaland. So, be but then Maguire is getting injured. Yeah, that by opting time. Yeah, that might that might. It hurts. It hurts me to say because I'm such a voice fan. Like I, you, I can't even explain how much I love the player. And every time he gets injured, it's really painful to see. Uh, it's very very painful to see. He has been injury prone for for quite a long time now. So. I just well, I wish him the best and speedy recovery in the end. But then, if Dortmund now you said Dortmund probably win the fixture, but then if Dortmund drop points, is it that huge of an upset? No, 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 it's not because when you look at when you look at it, Dortmund they are not clear. They are not like yeah, we we know they are like the second best in the division, but others, the other the chasing pack, they are not really clear from the chasing pack. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does, it does. Okay, so now, off to the FPL segment. What do you have? Um, okay, um, first of all, um, for, I know you've used your wildcard already, so for those of us that still have wildcards, so how do you think we should go about using it or should we leave it for a, a later game week? I'll be honest, like you mentioned, I've used my wildcard already, but if I hadn't used it last week, I'd have used it this week because the temptation to get Ronaldo in is so strong. The temptation to drop on Wolves defenders and maybe even the midfielder and forward is strong as well. So, I mean, if you're using your wildcard, I think it's a good way to go. I think you get a Wolves defender in for sure. I think you get, it might sound funny, but I think you might also consider getting an Arsenal defender because they have Norwich and Burnley in their next two fixtures. You also need a Liverpool player, Salah. <laughs> I mean, you don't look past Salah. And also Diogo Jota because Femino is injured. So if you have a if you're using your wildcard, people like Salah, any Wolves defender of your choice, um, Jota, even Ferran Torres playing as a nine for Man City. I think these are players that you must have. And if you're going down the nostalgia routes, Cristiano Ronaldo is also one to really, really want, like, you might want to get. We spoke on um, the fixture 
Emi Martinez absent for Astevilla this weekend, so Lukaku might be licking his lips. And then if you're using a wild card, there's no reason why you don't get Lukaku in that wild card. So yeah, there are a lot of players you should be looking to get. Yeah, okay. Um, you just touched on it now. Like for those of us that okay, that we feel like okay, we have two transfers. There's no need for us to use wild cards. In your watch list, who do you think we should be trying to bring in if we just have two transfers? Now, if we have two transfers, which is actually a very good thing because then you don't need to take a minus four if, say, for example, you want to bring Ronaldo in. So, I know a lot of people have sold Bruno for Ronaldo and it's not a straight swap because Ronaldo is a forward, Bruno is a midfielder in FPL. So, normally doing that is minus four, but if you have two transfers, there's no minus. So, in that case, I would say you want Ronaldo, you sell Bruno, you buy a cheap midfielder that can deliver points, i.e. Demarai Gray or Said Benrahma. Then you sell one of your mid-price, mid-price strikers like Danny Ings or Calvert-Lewin. There's no way you should be selling Antonio right now because this is in such fantastic form. But you can sell it Danny Ings because the fixtures are swinging against Astrovilla starting from this weekend against Chelsea. So if you can sell Ings, Bruno, get Ronaldo, Gray, I think that's good business. Mm, all right, fair enough, fair enough. But um, but looking at it, yeah, yeah, some fixtures that are looking very, very, very good. So which which ones are they so that we can target and get some players in from those fixtures? I mean, you should be targeting sports players for the Crystal Palace game, both in terms of clean sheet potential because Palace really lack cutting edge going up front. Clean sheet potential is there and then offensive potential is there for Hurricane. If Son is not fit, which Son is a risk, so I won't advise you to buy him unless we hear confirmation that he's going to play. So I would say target Hurricane and a sports defender if you can afford both. If you have two free transfers, that's the route to go. You also look at Liverpool. Liverpool are sure to get goals against Leeds. Leeds play open expansive football, which is good on the eye, but leaves their defence exposed, very exposed. So I will not be surprised to see Salah on the score sheet. And also, my United game, to target a United defender is looking like a very smart move if you don't have... But I wouldn't advise you to get a minus four to get a United defender. I'm saying if you have Two free transfers, you can get a United defender and maybe Ronaldo if you can afford him. So those are three of the fixtures to target. Also, Lukaku is the one to target for Chelsea Villa because Villa might score. So I wouldn't really say you should target a Chelsea defender by all means, but Lukaku probably, if he plays, is going to get on the score sheet. So Lukaku is another person to target that fixture, especially with Martinez absent, like I've mentioned earlier. And Wolves against Watford, I expect Wolves to score finally this season. And if Wolves are going to score, then probably Adam Atrayo is going to be involved. So he's someone you should have an eye on. Trinkau also, the young talent from Barcelona, young talent on from Barcelona is another person you should be watching. And yeah, for me, those are the fixtures. Um, Everton at home to Burnley, Calvert Lewin probably is going to score again. All right, all right, cool, cool, cool. Because uh, I was considering those that have wildcard too, what are the long term fixtures they should be banking on and players to get from those teams too? 
Well, you, you, you covered that too as well with the Wolves um, shout. Mm, okay, what about best points? The ones that are a bit risky but are looking quite good in terms of their value for money. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've already mentioned two of those already. Demai Gray, I, mean, I have him on my team personally. I think he brings excellent value because he's just 5 point, He was 5.5 million at the start of the season. He's up to 5.6. For someone who is nailed on to start at a decent team like Everton, a winger, who, we know that he whips the ball in. He has a good finisher in form of Calvert-Lewin to convert some of the chances he creates. He's also not shy to shoot himself. Left foot, right foot, he scores with either foot, either foot. And so, for me, he's, I mean, he's too cheap to overlook. If, especially if you're trying to save up for the big hitters, the Marai Greys want to get so that you can now get your premium forwards like Kane, Lukaku, Ronaldo, ETC. And also, um, the Wolves assets, um, I think Trincao, Adamatrao, obviously you shouldn't get both, but any of them might be a very good option. Any of them for you, I mean, both of them are differentials. They are not owned by a lot of people. So I think those are pretty good points. I think looking at the Brentford defense also, might be something that you should consider, really, because we've seen them keep two clean sheets so far this season, and then they have Brighton this week, and then next week they have Wolves. So, I mean, maybe certainly, maybe like an Imbueno, because Imbueno is really overlooked by the FPL community. He plays as a striker alongside Evan Tony, and he's just 5.5 million. So, Imbueno could be someone that really gets a lot of value for money, like, in terms of points per million, he could be a real asset to have. Mm, that's that's pretty long. That's a pretty long list. Okay, cool. But what about big guitars? Like which the ones that you've mentioned Ronaldo already. So what about the ones that we should just try to get in the team? I mean, I think I've mentioned pretty much all of them. Lukaku, the fixture is looking enticing. Ronaldo, Bruno. If you don't have Ronaldo, then you surely want a United player. So Bruno, um, Kane against Crystal Palace is one that is really hard to overlook because Crystal Palace have not been defending well at all this season. And so for me, and for me, yeah, those are the big hitters. And of course, I mentioned Salah as well because of Leeds leaving themselves open. Mm, all right, fair enough. So uh, let me put you on the spot there. So in terms of, I, I will, I'll need three names from me, from you for captaincy picks just to give um, our listeners more flexibility and more options. Okay, okay. I was worried that you were going to tell me to mention just one name, but since it's three, it's not really on the spot per se. So, three names. First one, Mo Salah. Liverpool, all, everything goes through Salah. Leeds don't defend particularly well, so I expect him to get on the score sheet. Harry Kane, likewise, Crystal Palace have not been defending well so far this season. Harry Kane is another shout. Though Hurricane is more of a left field pick because he's yet to score in the Premier League this season, but we saw him score for England in the World Cup qualifier against Poland, so maybe he might be hitting form now. And so, and um, so that's two. The third one, I would say Ronaldo. Then maybe a fourth. You asked me for three, but just maybe a fourth, Antonio, because he's in such great form. Mm, all right, all right, okay, okay. Let me ask you, who are you picking? Um. Okay, now you know me. I, I like to keep my options open to the last moment. But right now, as I speak to you, the armband is on Musala for me. I don't have Ronaldo, so I don't have the option of shifting it to Ronaldo. 
Ronaldo. So right now he's on Salah, but I'm still considering shifting it to Kane or Antonio. Okay, but if you had all these guys that you mentioned already, who would you pick? Salah. All right, fair enough, fair enough. So that's it, guys, for the FPL. And that's it also for this episode of the podcast. Always good to have you. And we always appreciate um, the time you put in to listen to us. So, Josh, any final words? Well, the FPL is back. The King of Old Trafford is back. Just enjoy the action. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.